0: To episode 60 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we try to learn from Apple and sink some putts in the App Store. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. I, I, I got edumacated by Apple
1: today, and uh, I have been playing some uh, miniature golf, so that's good.
0: And so... The really big news is that Apple actually hosted an event, but hopefully you didn't get your hopes up because it was just an education event. There was a reason they weren't hosting it in Cupertino and they went to Chicago to host it. So it was a focus on education. And as long as you have that kind of understanding, the hour long event made sense. And so the highlight of the event was the inclusion of an or the release of a new sixth generation iPad that is replacing their entry level. It's not an all-new iPad. It's just their entry level has now been upgraded with a new A10 chip. It resides at the $329 price point for consumers, and then there's a $299 price for students or education basis. And then to continue that theme, they have a new support for Apple Pencil on that entry level, which is a nice addition. And then there's going to be a new Classwork app allowing teachers to assign stuff it's kind of like the blackboard app but it's specifically from apple and then there's going to be a class kit api so that educators could create educational apps with classwork integration and then the apple pencil has been integrated to work with iwork and i think that's everything i
1: think that's good. yeah so my biggest uh thing i first looked at as soon as it was over was i wanted to kind of breakdown, see how this compared to the 9.7-inch iPad Pro that I own. And so the big differences are, well, not only is it way cheaper, but it's got that A10 Fusion chip that's in the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus, and that is instead of the A9X chip, which I currently have in my 9.7 iPad Pro. Then as far as like the display, it's very similar. It doesn't have that True Tone display or the... Uh, laminated, fully laminated display or the anti-reflective coating. And then otherwise, it's got slightly worse cameras than the original 9.7 iPad Pro. It only has two versus four speakers. And that's pretty much it. It's pretty much, if you can live with that lower camera and don't really care about the coatings that are on there, you, you could go for this for $329 and save a lot of
0: money. Yeah, because that iPad Pro still resides at the $599 price point. And if you right, have, because it... Yeah, any education it, well, discount... they have the
1: 10.5-inch now is yeah. the one that's there.
0: Right. And so I'm sure in June we're going to have a better iPad anyway on the iPad right. Pro level. So right, but
1: it, you could tell the whole purpose of this entire event was really to go after the Chromebook. Because the Chromebook, you can get a Chromebook that's what a lot of schools use for 250 So they really had to go in and try and attack the Chromebook, try to set up this infrastructure, because a lot of these schools are already hooked into all the, the Google apps for things. They use Gmail, they use all of the free productivity apps that come with Gmail. There's already infrastructure set up for teachers to kind of view what kids are doing. There's Google Classroom to share... All of the content amongst like a group of students can all work together and collaborate, and so all this stuff exists in the Google infrastructure. And even schools like my wife just recently did a short term, long well long term sub position at a at a fairly uh, expensive school district, and they all used iPads. But even on those iPads, they were using all of the Google Docs various tools there because that's what kids are used to they go home at night they can log on to a computer and edit those things fine with a keyboard and everything not have to worry about uh, using touch based things or having a separate bluetooth keyboard but they every student had an ipad and so obviously they're not carrying around books it's a lot easier that way but still I think Apple has an uphill battle to really try to break into these school systems, even at that $300 price point, because that doesn't include a keyboard, that doesn't include the pencil. And yeah, they take $10 off of the pencil for students, but still, even if you got the cheaper Logitech one, the crayon one that they're coming out with, you're still talking about about $100 for a case with a keyboard, plus the $50 for the crayon, and so now that's another 150 you're up to 450 at that point a school district if they're just looking at cost they are going to go with the $250 Chromebooks over this $450 investment in each student on one of these iPads
0: that's definitely true and yeah i don't think the event changes the equation drastically was because Three hundred dollars, and then you're focusing on the Apple Pencil. So, say that gets you to three ninety for just the iPad and the Apple Pencil. That's quite an investment on a per student basis. And I don't know if Apple showed enough in that classwork app, being able to be like that's a distinguishing factor for iPad and using in the classroom. And then you did mention that Logitech, Crayola crayon replacement. It's like a pencil, but it's more you know fatter for your drawing. And that's 49 yeah, bucks. Too. Yeah. But then it doesn't use Bluetooth to connect. It uses a different type of frequency connection and it only lasts eight hours. So that's a whole different kind of conundrum. <laughs> oh,
1: I didn't. Yeah. I didn't look up the stats on that. They, they, I mean, they definitely made school look like a lot more fun if you all had iPads. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Homework looked fun, but it was... I can see where, like, if you're in, a, in a, a school district that has money that maybe focuses more on that methodology of letting kids just be creative and do pretty much what they want, kind of like free thinking rather than a strict curriculum, I can see where this might be a better device just because it allows for much more creativity than like a, a Chromebook would. You don't have the really nice cameras you don't have all the 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 portability although they are starting to come out with some chrome tablets as well but in poorer districts i can't see this happening so i don't i don't know it, it was a nice to see but and it, it looks really nice but i i really don't think they're going to make the impact they think they're going to and i almost wonder if that's another reason why this really wasn't put out there because otherwise why not show this out to everyone do it like one of their normal events get consumers all excited about it they have kids they're they're go to pto meetings they have input into the schools they could go back and say look we want our kids to be getting ipads we don't want them to be carrying around books we want them to be able to do all this fun learning and i think my kid would really benefit from this but because they kind of kept this closed door and just with the schools and teachers and people who happen to know about the event, I don't think it's going to have like the impact they hope it would.
0: Yeah, and that makes you question why they even set up the whole thing because it, it wasn't like groundbreaking. You could have done a press release to say we have a new version of our existing $300 iPad designed for schools. So that made it entirely weird to just have that. And, I mean, that's pretty much the Apple education event. Hopefully you weren't expecting, like, some groundbreaking change to the way education works.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. And so continuing the education theme, Boca has a new app this week.
1: Yeah, so Boca this week launched their ninth App in their Toka Life series, and this one's called Toka Life After School. They already released Toka Life School, which you had uh, your kids go learn to play with little characters, kind of like in this paper dolls sort of make it up use your imagination you move the characters around you interact with stuff in a school well this one all takes place in kind of like this after school building where you have four different locations to kind of move the characters around and a whole collection of new weird characters there's one awesome little dude that looks kind of like a rubik's cube i don't know what he's supposed to be but he's even wearing like an apple watch and you can go to a skate park where you can kind of go and do kinds of skating tricks and things. There's also an art workshop where you can do all kinds of art kind of activities, a dance studio where you can do like a DJ thing and, and dance. And then also they have the sports court. And this was my older daughter's absolute favorite location in this one, because they have all kinds of different sports. They have basketball, football, other, a few other sports, but then her, Super excitement came when she saw they had field hockey. Like who thinks to put field hockey in there, but she loved it and this like got her hooked on it right away. But I the, these apps, the whole Toca Life series are just fantastic because they're fun and the kids get to use their imagination. There's all kinds of things that can just secret little things they can find every time they go in, they find something new and they can just you can record the whole thing. So you can make your own little movies. And it's just a really fun way. Like, I don't mind them spending a lot of time on their devices if they're doing something like this that's fun and creative and not just some mindless matching game or something like that so i highly recommend these toka life series if you haven't played them yet and you have kids you should definitely pick up one or two of them or all nine of them if you want but it is a great series of apps
0: and so it's just more the same with different themes right it's not like reinventing the wheel
1: No, no, no. They're just building on the the popularity of what they've done before, and they just introduced new locations, some new characters. There's like 27 characters total, but I think a couple of them I recognize from the other apps, but uh, it's more of the same. It's just they they keep on giving you new little locations, new little fun things to find.
0: Okay. And so that is Toka Life After School? After School. Yep. And it's two ninety nine, and it's a universal app. And so we can continue kind of playing around with the games this week. And so it's worth noting at the top, this isn't going to be the most prolific new release week just because the Game Developers Conference was last week, so a lot of developers were in San Francisco for the event, and they weren't releasing new games. But there were still a few to talk about. The first one is called Nano Golf, and it comes from Natromi. It's their latest effort. It has the familiar retro art style, and this one... It has the mini golf style, but set up into more of a puzzle aspect. So the full name is Nano Golf Puzzle Putting. So you really need to kind of focus on your shots because you have a limited number of shots to get to the hole. And each set of holes is composed in the course. The courses have new kind of challenges. So at the outset, you have to deal you know, with little pads that speed up the ball or send your ball in the opposite direction or hill climbs that you have to deal with and then you'll move on to where there's lasers in the course, or there might be water, or uh, platforms that disappear once you roll over them. So they keep amping up in that usual puzzle fashion, and all told, there's over 70 different courses, and each one just amps up the difficulty because you pretty much have two shots to get par, some only one, and then usually you'll get like three or something, it's a bogey, and there's so many ways to lose your ball to the point that you there's actual boss stages where things are moving. And so you have to respond to the action on the screen rather than just the more methodical golfing approach.
1: Yeah, those boss stages are difficult because they force you not only to react quickly, but then also you kind of have to plan things out because something might trigger and then you can't go into a certain section before something happens and then you can go into that section. It's kind of a neat way to that they've handled a miniature golf game by making it kind of like this puzzly aspect. But at the same time, it it still feels like miniature golf because you're still trying to get it within a certain number of shots. The one thing I don't really understand is how they're like making money in this because I seem to be able to retry – well, there are ads, but I seem to be able to retry courses – as often as i want like there's no really delays i can close the 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 ads pretty quickly and so it's uh it's fun and it's they're definitely challenging uh if you like miniature golf or puzzle games i think you're gonna find something in this to enjoy
0: yeah it wasn't like the super standout where you're gonna be like this is an amazing game but it's just a fun kind of puzzle experience and there's not the most mini golf games on the app store and a lot of them focus more on kind of mini golf while this one focuses more on being a puzzle game first and so the it's a subtle distinction but really it means that each one of your shots is so important because you have to solve kind of where it has to go in the level rather than hitting the ball and watching the level kind of dictate where the ball goes. So this one it's more putting your ball into the best possible position for your next shot. You're always setting up that next shot to get closer to the hole and you have to do it as quickly as possible. Right, yeah, there's limited
1: times where you'll do that like full back pullback full power spray and pray kind of deal where you're just hoping to get close like you might in another miniature golf game like you said it's like each shot really matters in this one because if you don't make it in the right number of shots you're going to, to start all over again so uh you really kind of position want to look at what obstacles are on the course and position yourself appropriately so that you can make it within that specified number of shots
0: Yep, and so that's Nano Golf Puzzle Putting. It's free. It's universal. And then last week we talked about Fortnite, and kind of a couple of days later, PUBG, which is Public Under Player Player, player under- Underground. Battle okay, yeah, and it, <laughs> it's like the competitor. It came first, but then Fortnite kind of took it, ran with it, became super popular, came to iOS. PUBG then launched on. As, as a soft launch, and then once they saw Fortnite come to iOS, they released out of soft launch super quick. So it has the original idea, but then Fortnite came to iOS first, but both are very similar where it's that 100 player battle royale. You dive into the island, the island shrinks down as you go, and you try to be the last one standing with either trying to find a place to kind of scavenge and hunker down, or go around and kill as many people as you can, or balance the two. The main difference is really that Fortnite kind of just fits better on mobile. I know they're both coming from the console PC, but Fortnite, the round condenses a lot quicker, where that big storm gets everybody closer and closer together at a quicker pace. So each match doesn't take as long, which is what you want on mobile gaming. I played PUBG just to see how would compare on that idea, because they both have you know the scavenging idea and condensing down and deluxe 3D graphics. But Fortnite just really emphasizes the players getting together that much quicker. So the action kind of amps up. And also Fortnite really focuses on the building aspect, the crafting aspect. So you want to go and break everything down to get materials to build walls. It really pushes you and gives incentive to do so
1: right yeah PUBG doesn't have the whole crafting aspect that fortnite has so you can scavenge but you're scavenging for uh, guns you're scavenging for clothing you're ca- scavenging for items the other big difference is in PUBG, you can uh drive cars so you, as you're running around you kind of almost need this because it is so slow to close things there's also this other little like red section i don't think you can be in the red section when that's happening And uh, that was I was a little confused. I definitely preferred Fortnite. But this one, it it, like it was way too open. I basically I got in second place just by hopping in the car, driving around and mowing down people with a car as they were trying to shoot at me. And then just keep on driving. I could always outrace the the shrinking place in a car, and it seemed like the car could almost drive like on the side of a cliff and not fall over. And so it was a little weird. But I, I would say both of them have excellent graphics. Both of them have excellent controls, even on like touch controls and mobile. They they feel like pretty much the exact same game really you like even the whole setup is the same you like are in like this lobby area waiting you can punch people but nothing happens then all of a sudden you are on a plane or a flying bus whatever the case may be and then you're you decide when you want to drop out of that you parachute down you land you then you start scavenging and trying to kill the rest of the people like it's the same setup the same sort of game you can definitely see where maybe Fortnite borrowed from PUBG if it came because it came out first on on consoles. But I think Fortnite is the better game. And not only do you can is there creativity with that whole crafting mechanic, even if you never use it. I just felt like matches were quicker. It felt more tight. It felt like you were forced to really fight each other. You couldn't just kind of roam around the countryside until everything shrunk down enough. And if I had to choose one, which I will continue playing, it will definitely be Fortnite.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Just because in PUBG, I found myself kind of like aimlessly wandering around. It was quite boring to wait for things to condense. Those little red sections, there's an aerial like bombing run where you're not necessarily going to die, but more often than not, you will if you're caught in that kind of area. But just oh, okay. kind of the, yeah, the main distinguisher is... In the upper left, it shows you how many people are still playing. And so when you play Fortnite, you barely even landed and started, you know, breaking a few things down. And you see it's already in the 60s. You're like, okay, a lot of people have been dying already. But in PUBG, it was at 90 and it's been like five minutes. I'm like, what? Why aren't the people dying at the same rate? And so it takes just a longer time to get into the flow of the game. And it seems like Fortnite understood the idea, cleaned it up condensed it down and made it better and there's proof in that that pub announced i think yesterday that they're going to introduce a new map that is smaller in scope to let things kind of increase at a quicker pace
1: oh that's good yeah i accidentally ran over one of my squad members like i had three <laughs> other squad members i ran over him and said he was stunned and then i think he ended up in the the electrical field and died and i felt bad but uh i survived he didn't It was an accident.
0: Yep. It's still last person remaining, whether you're in a squad or not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so that's PUBG. And it's free. It's universal. And then this week, it had a bunch of different games, but I don't know how memorable any of them were or are. And so (laughs) I tried out Flip, Color Surfer, or Surfing Colors, And the game, at first glance, it's reminiscent of Power Hover. It has that same kind of idea. You're on a skateboard rather than a hoverboard. But just from looking at it, it looks similar. So I tried it, fired it up, and you start playing it, and it doesn't really play like Power Hover at all. And that's mainly because it plays a lot worse. And the main problem is that it's super easy, like so bland that the main reason you're going to die is you get bored going through the monotonous flow of it. And then the controls aren't smooth. and Power Hover, it feels like you have full control of that hoverboard to move your player exactly where you want to, which is needed when there's tight sequences. This game, I guess, that doesn't have the same tight sequences, so you don't need as fine-tuned controls, but it just, it never feels that good, because the idea is that you're, sur- you're kind of skateboarding in a surfing idea, so it's more of a half-pipe idea where you're going to go back and forth, back and forth, but it just, it seems like The game has all these little neat pieces, but it doesn't come together because you can go over these special colors blocks that changes the color of your character. And then you can smash through the same color ones and then avoid the other color ones. So that's neat. And then if you get to the top of the half bite, you can pull off tricks, but those don't really seem to have much bearing in your overall score or anything. And so there's these neat little extras, but they don't really come to make the game any more interesting.
1: Yeah, I only played a very little bit of this and you're right. It it feels like they tried to take what they thought was popular with other games but then and put their own spin on it, but they just never put enough into it. Like it just it gets kind of
0: boring pretty quickly. And if so it is free, it's universal. If you do want to try it, it's called Flip Surfing Colors. But if you like hearing games ripped, this is the section for you. So (laughs) Pacific Rim Breach Wars and the new Cartoon Network Matchland are both matching games combined with a popular theme. And both are very disappointingly poor efforts. So. With the Pacific Rim game, it plays almost identical to the Godzilla Smash 3 game, just instead of Godzilla, it's the Pacific Rim character, so that's super exciting. And then Cartoon Network Matchland, you get to play with 20 different Cartoon Network characters, you know, like from Adventure Time or Steven Universe, but it's set up in this battle way where you make matches, and then those matches are going to damage your opponents, but it freezes, or it doesn't freeze, it has to, like, pop you make one move and then there's a timer until you can make as many moves as you can to line everything up and then all those things go in they do their attack and then it's like wave completed and it's like i i see all these more matches to make but wave completed you already kill everybody who cares if the board's set up for good matches down the road so you only have to make like one or two matches and then the level's complete so it's not really even a matching game
1: Right yeah so I never I never played the original Matchland and so it looks like it's pretty much the exact same game but now they just substituted in the cartoon network characters and The biggest complaint... Well, one aspect I did kind of like... I'm kind of sick of matching games, but I did kind of like the way they set it up where you can drag anything and you can drag diagonal as well to kind of set up bigger and bigger matches. And as long as you're setting up a match it kind of resets that timer a little bit to give you a little more time to try to make more and more matches, as many as you can. And then if you drag something that doesn't make a match or doesn't increase the amount in a row or a column, then it immediately fires out what you did match and then uh, attacks the enemies that are on the screen at that point. The problem I had was it didn't entice you because you had such limited enemies you had to fight against it didn't entice you to really make a ton of matches because you, if you knew the next wave was coming, you didn't want to mess up your board and destroy these possible matches you could use on the next one. So you're really trying to make the bare minimum of matches and save stuff because you know there's more waves. So why... There's no incentive there to make as many matches as you can unless you have some super powerful thing you're going against. You might as well hold some back in reserve so that you can quickly make some matches on the next wave and the next wave after that. So it was kind of counterintuitive because you weren't really rewarded for going all out. It was kind of just wasting your ammunition ammunition. Yep.
0: Yep. And so Cartoon Network Matchland and Pacific Rim Breach Wars are both free and universal to get you in the door, but I don't know if you should go in that door. And then <laughs> there's Jellycopter, which it comes from Kalu, which they made Subway Surfers, and ever since then they just can't find a good game. They've tried all kinds of different things, throw a bunch against the wall and see what sticks, and Jellycopter's not sticking even though it's jelly-based. It's essentially a Flappy Bird-style game But it plays more like Jetpack Joyride where it's more of a cave flyer and you just kind of tap and hold to hover through the center of the screen. And also, there's no real obstacles. The only way to lose is hitting the top or the bottom as it condenses down. There's no like moving pipes or any kind of anything to come at you. I mean, I tried to play into it to really, okay, these are just the early stages, right? And so I'm going and nothing keeps changing or doing anything. The background environments change from like a sand world, jungle world, frozen world, but nothing ever actually changes in the gameplay.
1: Yeah, so this one I never even tried. (laughs) (laughs) I thought thought the copters looked kind of cute, and it's like that square, blocky, cute characters, but I am so (laughs) against Flappy Bird that that's what it looked like to me, that I was... I didn't even bother to download it.
0: It's not even has the challenge of Flappy Bird. It I guess it controls too well to even be compared to Flappy Bird, but the Jetpack Joyride comparison is solid. But imagine Jetpack Joyride with all the ap- obstacles and cool parts taken out of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's super. Sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's Jellycopter. It's free. It's universal. And then there's Pong Pong Egg, which is a pachinko-inspired game. So when you look at it, it's like, okay, that's like Peggle. Okay, I can wrap my head around that. You play the game, and it's not really like Peggle at all because it's super easy. So it's more like Papa Pear Saga from King, which isn't that great of a knockoff of Peggle. It's more of a simple version where there's less things to hit, less aiming and precision required, and it's... So this one, you're kind of knocking to different vegetables to create omelets with your eggs and various things, but the requirements it's like hit three carrots it's like okay i took one shot i hit those three carrots and levels over that that's not very appealing when it's that boring and lack challenge so that is pong pong egg i should have never downloaded it
1: now do you actually have any kind of control or it's just like you drop it and then you hope
0: for the bouncy best no you aim it around just like peggle. you aim your shot that's why it's so easy to get the three carrots in one go
1: Right, right. You aim just the start, but then you have no control over once it's going. Kind of like, just like Peggle. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Okay. It's just the levels are set up where there's no real obstacle to the objective. There's no like, right. oh, I need to clear out this section of blocks to get over to these other blocks.
1: Right, and there's not even much on the screen to begin. Yeah, with. that's
0: what's most yeah. disappointing. The Peggle board, there's like you know hundreds of little dots and bricks on the board. This one, there's like fifteen things total. Yeah, this almost looks like like a Peggle
1: Jr., like kind of aimed more towards kids
0: or younger players that don't want the challenge of like a, a real Peggle game. Yeah, I can see that except for all the menus. Since the levels take about five seconds to complete, you're in menus for at least 30 seconds before the next level comes up because it has to do the end screen animation where it shoots all your remaining eggs and then it shows you the three-star animation. And then it does a little transition to the next scene and then has to show the objective. It's like, I took one shot. It took me five <laughs> seconds and I have to wait 30 seconds just to take my next five second shot. I think kids even have less patience for that. But did they even have like a catchy ode to joy song or they didn't. anything? When I no? know that's oh, okay. <laughs> like one of the best parts of Peggle. <laughs> yeah. And so was there any other games you wanted to
1: mention? Uh, no, I obviously didn't. Normally I download a lot of these and quickly play through them. For some reason this week, I even had a hard time getting myself to download them. I don't know. It was just a slow week, and I think you're right. I think it was because so many of the the, the real indie developers that create the memorable titles were all at GDC over this past week, and they're not going to release a game while they're there, uh, and they can't really focus on the release. So usually these type of things come like a
0: few weeks or even months after GDC. Yep. And so I think that's it for Episode 60. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.